Welcome to CT Church. This message was recorded during our Sunday service. We hope you enjoy this presentation. You know, Memorial Day, uh, in my mind, it raises a question. And that question for this particular holiday is a little bit different than some of the other national holidays that we have. The question that it raises is, what does Memorial Day mean to you? Now, it sounds like a simple uh, question, but really, when you stop and think, you know, when you hear, hey, you know, it's Memorial Day weekend coming up, what does Memorial Day mean to you? I would, I would guess that if you're not related to someone or actually know someone who gave their life while serving in the military, Memorial Day can mean a lot of different things to different people. It might mean when you hear Memorial Day, you might, oh, that's, the, that's kind of the unofficial beginning of summer. Or maybe you hear Memorial Day and it means to you ah, a day off of work. Maybe it means barbecues in the backyard, family get-togethers. Uh, maybe it means the Indianapolis 500. There's a lot of things that happen on this particular holiday and I'm saying I think sometimes Memorial Day kind of gets glossed over. Anyway, the real meaning behind it. We want to make sure that doesn't happen. Amen? I think it would be good for us to pause today and think about what Memorial Day really does mean. I mean, after all, its very name, Memorial Day, that's a call for us to remember something, to memorialize something. That means to remember and I will tell you, the ability to remember is an incredible gift that we have from God. How many of you are thankful you can remember things? You know, enjoy it while we got it, right? You know, in, because of our ability to remember, that can be an incredible thing. I mean, in just a moment's time, you can remember being a kid again. You can remember swimming in a lake or building a treehouse, playing baseball with neighborhood kids. You can remember falling in love. You can remember getting married, having children, raising those children, then giving up and sending them to boarding school. Oh, just so many memories. <coughs> I will share this with you, this uh, from my life. Mom, oh, mom is here this morning. When I was growing up, you will find this hard to believe, but quite often I would be in trouble for something. And oftentimes, my mom, my dear sweet mom, you all know her, right? Just sweetest thing. Here's what she would threaten me with. If I heard this once, I heard it two dozen times, and I'm not exaggerating. You better straighten up, or we're going to send you off to military school. <laughs> military school. She would, you remember that, mom? <laughs> you better straighten, you, we'll send you to military school and they'll straighten you up. And I will admit, for a while, I was kind of leery of being shipped off to military school. But you know, as you get a little older, you get a little smarter, hopefully. And I found out that military school is incredibly expensive. <laughs> and I just kind of knew, well, you know, dad does okay, but he ain't going to be shipping me off to military school anytime soon. You know, we're not. And so then, you know, time would go on. Yeah, you, you better straighten up or we're going to. And then I would finish. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're going to ship me off to military school. I got it. Never did happen. I'm thankful for that. 
Because had we had the money, I'd have probably been sent to military school. And you know what? I'm not, maybe you've been to military school. Maybe it's an incredible place. I don't know. To me, it has a negative connotation because I was threatened with it. You know, so, but maybe it would have been the best thing that could have ever happened. I don't know. But anyway, that was my experience in life. You're going to military school. We remember a lot of things growing up, don't we? There's things that we can reflect on because we have a lot of memories that are just fixed in our minds. And someone said, memories are priceless belongings that nobody can steal from you. That's truth, right? But memories are a bit of a double-edged sword, aren't they? You know, if we were able to just filter out all the good ones, memories would be an incredible thing, which they are. But the double-edged portion of that is that some of our memories are very joyful and happy, but unfortunately, I'm sure we all have some memories not so joyful, memories that make us sad, memories that make us mad. We can't filter out the good memories from the bad ones usually. There's only one person in all creation that is able to do that. That is God the Father. When we ask him to forgive us of our sins, he has the ability to just forget them. That is a, that is a miraculous thing right there. Aren't you glad for that? And usually how it ends up, we're the only ones that remember them and keep dragging them around. Once we ask for forgiveness, he forgets about them. That's a wonderful, incredible uh, blessing in our life. He has that unique ability. But the ability to remember is still a great blessing for us. It serves us in some very practical manners. I mean, think how tough life would be if you just can't remember things. If you couldn't remember that red light means stop. Let's say you can't remember your address or phone number. That would make life tough, right? Let's say you can't remember your wife's birthday or your anniversary. That can make life tough, can't it, men? Let's say you can't remember your child's name, assuming you have more than one. Susie, Bobby, Fred, Fred, you know, you go through the whole list. Till you, you, you know who you are. Cut it out. You know, we, we have trouble once in a while. Think how tough life would be if you couldn't remember when you come out of a store where you parked your car. Think how tough life would be if when you get up out of a chair and go into another room, you get there and you can't remember why you went there. How many of you are thankful I'm not asking for a show of hands to say, who, who actually experiences these type of things on a daily basis? It just, you know, we got to be thankful while we got it together, you know, because it starts to slip away. But suffice it to say, memories are a very, very practical thing in our life. Our big problem is that sometimes our memory fails us, and sometimes we just forget stuff, right? I came across this story that I enjoyed, a story of a guy going to his 60th class reunion. He was a widower. And at his 60th class reunion, he ran into a gal that he had known all through grade school and high school, and she was now a widow herself. And so after the reunion, he asked her out for dinner. They went out, they, they uh, had a great dinner, and I mean, they just hit it off like hardly any time had passed since high school. And in the course of that one evening, he asked her, said, you know what, will you marry me? And she thought about it for a few seconds, and she said, you know what? Yes, I will. 
And man, he was so excited. They were both so excited. And the rest of the evening went great. He took her home. He woke up the next morning and he could not remember whether she had said yes or whether she said no. He remembered asking. He just couldn't remember what the answer was. He didn't know. He kind of broke out into a sweat. He said, I'm just going to have to call her. I don't know what else to do. And so he calls her. He says, you know, this is a a little embarrassing. He said, I didn't tell you last night, but uh, I just got to come clean. My memory is not what it used to be. And last night when I asked you to marry me, I can't remember whether you said yes or whether you said no. And she said, well, you silly goose. Of course I said yes. I said, yes, I meant it with all my heart, but I am so glad you called because I couldn't remember exactly who it was that had asked me. (laughs) How many of you have gotten there? You know, it's just uh, good luck getting home after church, that sort of thing, you know. But it's coming. Sometimes... The memory just fails us, right? We, we do all sorts of things. We'll tie a string around our finger to remember, and then we forget why we tied the string around the finger. You know, we uh, calendars are printed to help us remember things. You know, we have calendars on our phones, on our iPads, on our computers. We've got calendars all over the place to try to help us remember stuff, Right? You know, Christmas, that's a great holiday, very clearly marked to help us remember the birth of Christ. Easter, Easter is uh, there to remember us, to help us remember the resurrection of Christ. And we have this day called Memorial Day. Now, let me give you just a little history of Memorial Day. Maybe you already know this. It started at the end of the Civil War, and there were people in the South that picked this weekend to start placing flowers on the graves of soldiers who had died for the Confederacy during the Civil War. And yet, and by 1868, this, this practice of going out and placing flowers on graves of Civil War veterans had already gone way up into the north, and they came up with a day, a, a name for the day. They, they called it Decoration Day. How many of you remember someone saying Decoration Day? The whole time I grew up, my grandfather, he would always say Decoration Day. I don't know if I ever heard him say Memorial Day. He would say Decoration Day. And after World War II, it became a nationally recognized holiday as Memorial Day when our country pauses to remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. And we need to always remember that there was a a tremendous price that has been paid by tens of thousands of men and women who gave their lives so that we can enjoy the privileges and the freedoms that we have. And let me tell you, there's many, many countries in the world right now where we couldn't gather together. We couldn't proclaim the name of Jesus without being in some serious fear of our lives. And we don't even think about that, you know, because we are so accustomed. We are so used to all of the freedoms and the 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 rights and the privileges that we have, but they came at a great price. But the fact remains that people are sometimes forgetful, and sometimes we need some special things to help jog our memories from time to time. The Bible contains a lot of examples of things that were placed there to jog our memories, memorials that were built, special days 
You know, after God destroyed the world in a flood, he told Noah, whenever you see the rainbow, remember my promise that I will never destroy the earth by water again. How many of you, when you see a rainbow, you know, it is beautiful, but in the back of your mind, you remember that, hey, you know what? God placed that there to jog our memory, to help us remember a huge event in, in the history of mankind. One, a, a very intriguing memorial that was built when Joshua led the, the people of Israel across the river Jordan. If you'll remember, the water stopped flowing just as the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the water. And as they carried the Ark of the Covenant across on dry land, they stood in the middle of the riverbed until all of the people had crossed safely over into the Promised Land. And while they were crossing, Joshua told 12 men, he picked one man from every tribe, he said, go into the middle of the riverbed and select a large stone, which they did. They brought the stones back to the other side of the riverbank and they made a monument there to help them remember. It's found in Joshua 6, 4, 6 and 7. So, uh, Joshua says, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. What I want to submit this morning is this. There are special days and special times in the Bible that are designed to help us remember specific events that are important to us to this day. And this morning, there's, there's several of them. I want to talk about just three of them this morning. You probably know some of the story and the history behind these, but listen again this morning and see how God uses them to jog our memories to re remember these important things in our life. The first one that I want to talk about is the Feast of the Passover. You know, many of you remember the history behind this. The children of Israel had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. Now let me just interject this. This is for free. I came across this deal when, you know, we hear a lot about the children of Israel and how God uh, led them through this adventure and this experience and led them to victory after victory. And one Sunday morning, the Sunday school teacher was teaching the kids of all the things that God had brought the children of Israel through. And little Tony's hand shot up and she said, what is it, Tony? Little Tony said, now let, let, let me get something straight here. He said, what you're saying is according to the Bible, the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea. Is that right? She said, yeah, that's right. She said, he said, and the children of Israel, boy, they, they just whooped the Philistines. Is that right? She said, yeah, that's right. And you're saying that the children of Israel, they, they built the temple, and the children of Israel, they, they fought the Egyptians, they fought the Romans, and, and the children of Israel was just always doing something important, right? She said, yes, Tony, why? She said, he said, well, here's what I want to know. What I want to know is where in thunder was all the grown-ups at while all this was going on? Just think about it first. I thought it was really funny, but... Me and 10 of, 10 of us here, we thought that was pretty funny. That was for free. The children of Israel had been slave in Egypt for four, over 400 years. 
Then God called to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt, stand before Pharaoh, and say to him, let my people go. Now, over 400 years of slavery, you know, as terrible a thing as slavery was here in our own country, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt for about twice that amount of time. It was a long time. So Moses, he did what God asked him. He went to Pharaoh and said, listen, you need to let my people go. Pharaoh said, not going to do it. Not at this juncture. You got in here for free, okay? Listen. He said he's not going to do it. So what did God do? He says, well, I'll have to do a little convincing. And so God starts to send some plagues upon Egypt. And we know, you know the story. Every time when the plague was at its greatest intensity, Pharaoh would say, you know, all right, all right, you, you can go. But as soon as the plague would begin to subside, he would change his mind and say, you're not going anywhere. So finally, God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, said, God is going to send a plague worse than there has ever been or ever will be. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die. Then you'll know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. So God gave the instructions to the Israelites. He said, go and pick out a lamb. Pick out the very best lamb that you have to offer God. And when I read that, I also think uh, that I believe one of the things that we are rapidly losing in our culture today is the realization that we are always supposed to offer our very best to God, not what's left over. More and more today, people tend to save the very best for themselves, for their, for their own families, and they, they keep the best, and whatever is left over, maybe they'll offer that to God. We've gotten things backwards in many cases today. But all the way through the Bible, the principle has always been the same. It has never changed. God is so wonderful. He's so magnificent. He has blessed us and done so much for us. He always deserves our very best, not what we have left over. He always deserves the very best. And if we love him the way he loves us, then we will actually have a desire inside of us to give him our best. So it was to be the very best lamb that you had. One without spot or blemish or the closest thing to it. The very best. God said, kill the lamb, capture the blood that drains from it, then roast the lamb, prepare it, and eat it for dinner that evening. But before you eat... God said, take the blood and spread it across the top and the sides of the doorframe of your home. And tonight I will pass over Egypt. That's where the name, the Passover comes from, right? I will pass over Egypt. And when I see the blood, I will pass over that house. But where there is no blood, death will come and the firstborn in that home will die. So someone in every Jewish home took the blood, they sprinkled it over in the si in our, on the sides of the doorframe, and that night, just as God promised, he passed over Egypt. The Bible says there was weeping and wailing in the homes of Egyptians. There was no blood on their doorframes, and their firstborn sons had died. And in their time of grief, God then led his people 
out of the bondage of Egypt. Then God said to them, he said, every year, I want you to stop what you're doing. I want you to remember the Passover. Remember the dividing of the waters of the Red Sea. Remember the pillar of fire in the clouds. Remember the manna. Remember Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments. Never, ever forget what I have done for you. And it's important to this day that we remember these things and that we ponder them in our minds once in a while, keep them fresh. The second biblical memorial I want to talk about is the day of worship. The fact that we gather together once a week to worship God the Father and Jesus Christ, His Son. I, the truth is this. Today and every day should be a day of worship. Amen? We shouldn't just have one day where we worship God and the rest of the week we do whatever we want. The fact is, every day we should be worshiping God, but what we're talking about is this very specific God-called day of worship. It started in the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth himself. God worked six days on creation, and on the seventh day, he rested. Then God blessed that day, and he called it the Sabbath a day for his people to rest. In the Ten Commandments, God told the Jewish people that they were to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. So the Sabbath became this day of worship and rest. Centuries pass and people began to twist and distort the Sabbath day that God had set apart for rest and worship. In fact, it became so bad that Jesus cried out to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You'll find that in Mark 2.27. And then the day of Pentecost came, another first day of the week. And the Holy Spirit came upon the, the apostles, the people that were in the upper room, and the church was officially birthed on that day. On that day, the first evangelical sermon was preached by someone other than Jesus. And 3,000 people gave their heart to the Lord. On that first day, the church was brought into existence. So the church grew and grew. The, Lord, uh, the Bible says the Lord added to it daily the number that was saved. Soon they were meeting regularly on this first day of the week. Even in the midst of terrible persecution, where their lives were endangered, they would worship and encourage. They would gather together to worship and encourage each other. It kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? In this country, if it gets to the point where we're in danger of being imprisoned if we gather together to worship Jesus Christ, how many will be sitting in these chairs on those Sunday mornings? does make one wonder, doesn't it? And in the book of Revelation, written by the Apostle John while he was exiled by the Romans on the Isle of Patmos, John spoke, he was the first one to refer to this day as the Lord's Day. And to this day, we refer to it as the Lord's Day. So to me, the very essence of worshiping God has a lot to do with remembering. There Tied very, we really can't worship God without some remembering involved. You know, we, we gather together to remember what God has done for us. 
We gather together to remember that Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins and that He rose again, that His power is so great that He conquered death, hell, and the grave. We gather together to celebrate the majesty, the glory of God, and we gather to sing about His faithfulness, about His holiness, to worship Him. And we come to remember that Jesus is coming back very soon and that time is very short. Time is short. I tell you, I, I'm so thankful, I'm so blessed to be a pastor of a church that wants to make a difference in the world in these last days. And I tell you, I, you know, I announced last Sunday that at District, District Council, uh, we found out that uh, last year was the greatest year in missions giving we'd ever experienced, over $212,000 in 2018. And my thought was, now is not the time to sit back and relax and say, boy, that was great, because we're that much closer to Jesus coming back. And whatever money we've got sitting in the bank when he comes back is not going to amount to a hill of beans. Let's use it to get the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ out to make a real difference in the world, because time is so short. Time is so short. Am I saying you should clean out your checking account and give it all? I'm saying use wisdom and just ask God. God knows how much you need and he knows how much you can send out. And if you'll just listen to him, everything will be fine. Amen? That's the easy way to do it. So, we need to recognize our selfishness and our own sins when we gather together and come into his presence. And we come here to praise, to thank him, even though oftentimes we're unworthy. The only reason we're worthy is because of Him, not because of ourselves. If it weren't for Him, we could never be worthy. And you know, and there, there are becoming fewer and fewer places in the world where people can gather together to do this, as I just said. Even in our own country, God has pretty much been ruled out of most of our government, out of most of our schools. I mean, what, what would our forefathers have thought hearing that a judge was forced to remove the Ten Commandments from his courtroom? That would have been a shock. The only place today you can really hear the truth about God is in church. And unfortunately, sometimes that is not even true. You know, today we have... We have what I would term mainline Protestant denominations that support and believe all sorts of unbiblical things. It's getting crazier by the day. I pray that this church will always recognize that when we come together on this first day of the week, that we have come here for one reason, and that's to meet a holy and righteous God to remember what he's done for us by sending us his son into this world. And we come to re-examine, to rededicate, if, if necessary, our lives to him and to hear his word. That's why we do it. We do it as a memorial to him, to remember him. Hopefully when you come to church, it's not just out of habit, but that you're coming here to remember why we have hope for eternity because of all that Jesus Christ did for us. We have to remember that. And here's, here's finally, here's the third memorial. That is a meal of remembrance. It was just last week that when we received Holy Communion, that is the meal of remembrance. 
And it was the night before his crucifixion. Jesus had gathered together in that upper room where all of you who are able to go on the trip to the Holy Land, you will stand in that room. You will stand on the stone floors that were actually there 2,000 years ago. And we will receive a meal of remembrance. You know, the, the lamb that evening, the lamb had already been killed. Its blood had been offered as a sacrifice at the temple. And now they're gathering together to eat the lamb, the unleavened bread, and all of the other Passover meal ingredients. It was to be an evening of remembering as God had long ago commanded it to be. But as they ate, Jesus begins to give them something new, something even greater to remember. It says, for Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In other words, in memorial of me. To remember. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, this cup is now the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Have you ever wondered why Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant? covenant in my blood. Here's why he said that. It was because Jesus was the fulfillment of a prophecy that God had made centuries, hundreds of years before through the prophet Jeremiah. And here's what Jeremiah wrote. He wrote, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know of me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That was a new covenant. We're going to ask for forgiveness. Man, it's going to be gone. We don't have to go out and kill a sheep or a lamb. We just call upon his name. So no longer were some of the ingredients of the Passover meal simply meant to be a reminder of their release from Egyptian slavery. Now the bread and the cup were to be constant reminders of Jesus himself, of his sacrifice, of his love. That's why Jesus both times said, now when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. You know, he wasn't being egotistical. It's just that he knew that God had sent him for a very specific purpose, and that was to be our Savior. And so we, when we remembered these things, it was important that we remembered him. So when Paul wrote about this, he said, whenever you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So when you and I are partaking of communion, we are proclaiming something to the world by, by taking part. We're proclaiming that we believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. We are saying, I have been cleansed by his blood and I have his promise of eternal life. 
That's why we're not supposed to receive communion if our life is not right with God. Because that makes us guilty of lying to the world around us and being a false witness to Jesus Christ. That's why we're supposed to be right in our, in our life when we receive communion. Communion is a, is a proclamation of fellowship and unity. We should recognize that all of us have traveled a lot of the same old dirty roads. We've all sinned and none of us are actually worthy to be here. But we don't partake because we're worthy. We partake of it because God and His Son Jesus Christ are inviting us into their presence and they are worthy. That's why. So we have a lot to remember. I'll kind of wrap this up. And I think it is very significant that our country stops and pauses at this time each year to remember the tens of thousands of men and women who paid the ultimate price for us. You know, this you may want to take flowers to someone's burial place this weekend. Pause there. Remember. You might want to express your gratitude in some way for these thousands of brave men and women who made that sacrifice for us. But we can't forget the price that brought us to where we can live in freedom and enjoy the blessings that God has given us in this country. We have to remember that and be respectful of that. Amen? Let's not just make Memorial Day weekend about the barbecue in the backyard and the day off of work. Let's remember why we've got the day off work. You know, there's a big difference, don't you think, in just remembering we've got a day off and remembering why we have a day off. So there's a huge difference, very important. I came across this story. I've been thinking about this. All I believe I got this story out of a Reader's Digest several years ago, and it was a, a true story. And the story, I'll give you kind of a synopsis of it. This took place now almost 20 years ago. There was a very young, very successful, very GQ kind of executive who was traveling down this Chicago neighborhood street. I don't know if, if you've ever been to Chicago through the residential parts. You know, there's a lot of brownstones. There's a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of cars along the streets, both sides. It's a pretty crowded place. He's driving his uh, brand new shiny black Jaguar XKE down this Chicago neighborhood street. Car was only about two months old. He was very, very proud of it. And he was trying to be careful to make sure there weren't any kids darting in and out from all these cars along the side. And as he's driving around, the, driving down the street, he sees just a little bit in his peripheral vision some big object, and then boom, this thing hits his car. And he comes to a screeching stop, puts the car in reverse, goes squealing back, hops out of the car, goes between these two cars where, where it happened, and there's a kid right there, sure enough, between these two cars. Man, he grabs this kid. He begins to shake him, you know, and say, man, what in the world is the matter with you? Why'd you throw this brick? The kid had thrown a brick at his car. He said, this is going to cost you a lot of money, punk, or something along those lines. And so... The kid's just starting to cry. He's got tears rolling down his face. He says, Mr., Mr., please, please. He says, I, I'm sorry. I didn't know what else to do. The guy says, what are you talking about? He says, I threw the brick because no one would stop to help me. He says, my brother, and he points around 
the side of the car. And the guy looks around the side of the car. He says, my brother, his wheelchair had rolled off the curb. He fell out. He hit his head. He's bleeding. He's cut. I couldn't get anybody to stop to help me. I didn't know what else to do. Would you please just help me get him back into his wheelchair and so I can get him home? So the guy starts to feel his lump in his throat. You know, he, he lifts the young guy up, puts him in the wheelchair, takes out a handkerchief and puts it on his head where his head had hit the curb and he's bleeding. And He walks all the way back home, which was a couple of blocks with this little guy that was trying to get him back home, his brother. When he got him back home, all right, uh, he turned and took that long walk back to the, the shiny black 12-cylinder XKE. And during that walk, he made a decision. He said, I decided as I was walking back to the car, I was never going to have that car fixed. He kept the dent to remind him of everything that he had to be thankful for. And to remind him not to go through life so fast that somebody's going to have to throw a brick at me to get my attention. And so it, it, it bodes the question this morning as we close. If you're here this morning without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't wait for someone or especially God to have to throw a brick to get your attention. You have been listening to CT Church in San Antonio, Texas. This recording was presented in the context of our Sunday service. For more information, please visit us at ctagsa.com, connect with us on Facebook, or call us at 210-657-3578.